0: The war on women continues. The war on reproductive rights and reproductive choice continues. We hear from Republicans, it's all about jobs, jobs, jobs and national security and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's all about vaginas. It's all about shrinking the government, reducing the size of government because they want to make it just small enough to stuff up your twat. Kansas Governor Sam Brownback signed. Anti abortion legislation last Friday in Kansas, which is already a state where it's almost impossible for most women, particularly most poor and working class women, to get abortions. He signed a new state law that blocks tax breaks for abortion providers who knew they were even getting them. I bet they weren't. That bans sex selection abortions and declares that life begins at fertilization. We are one step away to life begins at erection. Fact is, of course, that There's one person who hasn't gotten the life begins at conception memo and that person is God. Fifty percent of all fertilized eggs, 50 percent of all spermies that meet eggies naturally and spontaneously abort. And most people are not aware of these abortions, these sort of very early miscarriages when they happen because they are imperceptible. So – Apparently, it is now illegal to be God in Kansas. It is illegal to do what God has done. If you believe that we were designed by God, the intelligent designer that we didn't evolve from, with, not from monkeys and apes. We are not primates. If you believe that God, you know, put us together with sort of human Lego sets in his den one day, then God designed us God built abortion into us. Abortion is a naturally occurring phenomenon, half of all pregnancies. So life doesn't exactly begin at fertilization if you're God. But life now, according to Sam Brownback, which is a name that cries out for redefinition, and I did redefine it because of this legislation that Brownback signed in his office last Friday. I'm getting emails from people saying, do to Sam Brownback what you did to Rick Santorum. We've already done that. You've heard of barebacking, which is kind of the romanticized name for highly risky uh, unprotected anal sex where guys are going bare and natural and they're barebacking and it's like you know invokes images of people riding horses without saddles. I decided, I declared in my column years ago that we should call barebacking brown backing to associate it with, you know, poop on your dick as opposed to galloping across a field on a horse without a saddle. You're just sticking your dick in there and pulling out a poopsicle. So Brownback has already been redefined. Um, Brownback was a senator for a long time. He's the governor of Kansas. He's a complete and total asshole. Uh, He's one of those Republicans who runs around saying national security and economic conservatism, which never applies when they're in charge, uh, and jobs, jobs, jobs. But in reality, as Rachel Maddow is always saying on her show, it's jobs, 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 job when it comes right down to it, job, 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 portion is what really obsesses social conservatives. It's what they really, really, really want to work on. Brownback at the signing ceremony said, All human life is sacred. It is beautiful. With this, we continue to build this culture of life in our state. It is about protecting children. According to the Children's Defense Fund... A child is abused or neglected in Kansas every six hours. A child dies before his or her first birthday in Kansas at the rate of one a day. Kansas is 18th among the 50 states in percent of babies born at low birth weight, 25th among the states in per-pupil expenditures, child poverty rate in Kansas, one out of every five children lives in poverty in Kansas, 25% of all children in Kansas haven't been fully immunized. And there are 700,000 children living in Kansas and 123,000 of them qualify for food stamps. Kansas is not exactly a paradise for a child once it is born. It is, of course, what America is all about. The right wing, the politicians, the Republicans who want to shrink government until they can put it in your vagina. What it is about is making sure that women can't control their own bodies, that nobody can have sex for pleasure, that if your birth control method should fail, that there is no backup plan for you. That you must therefore bear that child and raise that child. But once that child is born, you are on your fucking own. Kansas's and Brownback's concern for children ends when the baby's head crowns. Then you're on your own. 10% of children in Kansas, no health insurance, no access to health insurance. Brownback opposes Obamacare, of course, as a right wing batshit governor, he would oppose Obamacare, which is good for children and other living things, but they only care about you while you're living in your mother's uterus. Once you're out, you're fucked. Once you're out, you're fucking soylent green. As far as they're concerned, I will believe in this culture of life. Bullshit. When we have fully funded federally funded daycare for every kid in this country, when we have access to healthcare for everyone, not health insurance, not access to health insurance, single payer healthcare for everyone from birth. Then they can say that they actually care about children and families. When they enact policies, living wage policies that make it possible people to take care of the children that you force them to have, then they can say they care about kids and they're building a culture of respect for life. You're not building a culture of respect for life when that respect ends nine months and a day into that fetus's life. The ad fertilization language in the bill is going to be challenged. It's going to go up to the Supreme Court. We'll see what happens up at the Supreme Court because that at-fertilization ding, that, that affront to God who spontaneously naturally aborts half of all fertilized eggs, that would make not just abortion illegal but many forms of birth control illegal. Ladies, they're coming for your birth control. Your option, if you're a woman in Kansas, I guess, Do it in the butt, Bob. Move the fuck away. Get to a state that's run by sane people who care about sane public policy, who demonstrate that they care about children by enacting Obamacare, another socially progressive legislation. And you particularly might want to get out of the state if you're a woman who does need to terminate a pregnancy, if you do need an abortion. There is currently only one place to get an abortion in the entire state and they are making war on that one place. They're doing this in other states too. They're targeting abortion clinics and women's health care centers, defunding Planned Parenthood in Texas. The war on women continues. Do not be fooled by Republican outreach to women, women. When Republicans reach out to women, what they're doing is reaching out just far enough to slap you.
1: Hi, Dan. I have a question for you. Um, My friends with the open relationship or the open marriage, they hooked up with their best friend, and left out their best friend's husband, who probably wouldn't have wanted to participate anyway. Um, and they didn't have ground rules and they didn't, you know, have boundaries and like a sober talk and all the things you're supposed to do. They were all just drunk. And uh, the three of them hooked up, leaving out this one guy who was hopping mad when he found out, obviously. Now he sort of reframed the whole situation as um, he believes that his former best friends and neighbors essentially raped his wife. And his wife has sort of bought into this story, too. And there's a lot of reasons why I don't really believe it. I mean, it wasn't what people said at first. And also, the uh, wife who did the cuckolding and the guy from the open marriage, the, they actually had a second night of making out. I mean, I think this is a convenient thing that they're believing for their marriage to stay together. But I don't think it's the truth. And I don't want to be fighting them on it either because, you know, it's their marriage and they can paper over problems however they'd like. But the way it involves me is that they want me to cut off my friendship with the other couple. And I am not comfortable doing that. But I also am in a weird position where I can't really, you know, say, no, I'm I'm not going to choose you over them or I'm not going to make a weird friend decision choice here because I don't know, because my boyfriend is really good friends with the wife. And, and also I don't even know how to say that without saying in PS, like no one raped you. I don't know. Otherwise I look really insensitive. Like, like, I don't know. I'm going to keep being friends with your rapist.
0: If I was asked, To choose between two couples, Uh, one couple being in an open marriage and not having any boundaries or ground rules and seducing or taking advantage of or having consensual sex with somebody else's partner unbeknownst to that someone and creating a lot of drama in their lives and then also being asked to choose by the other couple who had taken a drunken hookup consensual and a post that drunken hookup sober hookup and rounded that shit up to The charge of rape so that they could rationalize staying together and seeing themselves as victims and in a way they were victimized by that first couple of course who blundered into their relationship and potentially exploded it. If if both those couples asked me to choose between them, I would choose neither. They both sound kind of toxic and shitty and not like people I'd want to hang out with. Insensitive, inconsiderate, open marriage – Uh, assholes on my left and unable to accept reality, uh, rounding something that may have been ill-advised, that may have been a bit booze-soaked but was in no way rape up to rape and then charging assholes with rape and assholes are assholes but rapists are a class of assholes unto themselves. Again, given those two couples to choose between, I would choose neither. It has been my experience when – a friend asks you to choose between them and another friend that you generally choose the friend who isn't forcing you to make that choice because that's not a place you put someone. That's not something a friend asks of a friend to choose. Uh, the better friend is probably the person who isn't asking you to choose. The better friend is probably the person who is allowing you to make up your own mind and isn't throwing ultimatums around like thunderbolts. So. I think that's my advice for you. (laughs) I don't think I have anything else to add. Uh, It's going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. Inconsiderate, bull in China shop, couples in open relationships create a lot of awkwardness wherever they go in their wake. Uh, And people who can't deal with the aftermath of their own choices and then want to make somebody else the villain also create a lot of chaos and awkwardness in their wake. I would swim away from both.
2: Hey, Dan, I'm a 25-year-old straight guy in my 20s, obviously. And I just want a quick question for you about uh, kind of confidence and testosterone and stuff like that. Uh, all the, the long story short is that I had like a really crappy puberty where I had like really low testosterone. Halfway through puberty, my body just stopped developing. Um, I started taking testosterone supplements, and now, hey, lo and behold, I have a libido. Hooray! And now, for the first time in my life, I'm discovering, hey, I like girls. Cool. And now I'm not really sure what to do with this because now I have the drive to, to chase something down but not really the confidence to make anything of it. So I have the mental faculties to talk to women. and I can converse and I can, you know, have the, like flirty conversations. But when it comes time to actually like pull the trigger and try to, you know, seduce somebody, I get kind of bogged down with confidence because I'm like, hey, I have a small penis because my body did not develop properly. This isn't like a normal dude, like, well, I wonder if I'm small. This is like a legit issue because of a bodily, you know, incompletion. So that's become an issue for me uh, just in terms of feeling any kinds of feels because I get uh, kind of self-conscious and I'm worried that, hey, is it like maybe this won't actually do anything for her. I don't really know what to do with it. So I just don't really know if there's like a quick solution to this. Like do I just get over it and just have sex with somebody and figure out like what works for them, what works for me, uh, just get it out of my system. I'm not really sure how to develop the confidence to actually take my pants off and have sex with a girl with this
0: issue. Well, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that studies have shown that women who are partnered – we've talked about this a lot – women who are partnered with men who have very small penises generally report higher levels of sexual satisfaction in their relationship than women who are partnered with men with giant penises or even above-average endowments or regular-sized dicks. And that's because – A lot of guys with small dicks, they try harder. They have oral skills. They know how to use fingers and toes and forearms and vibrators and so long as they're reconciled to having to employ everything at hand, uh, every other tool at their disposal to bring pleasure to their female partners and as we've discussed a gazillion times in the column and here. Seventy-five percent of women cannot come from vaginal intercourse alone. So just stuffing a big dick in a woman is not enough to get most women off. Most women require that finger, tongue, toy action at the same time or later or before or in addition to penile and vagina penetration-a-thons. On the bad news side, researchers from the University of Ottawa in Canada showed women photographs of men uh, in varying heights, body shapes, and flaccid penis sizes, naked photos of men. That didn't differentiate in any way uh, facially. The faces were all equally attractive, and the women generally rated the men with bigger penises more attractive. But that's not a real world lover, you know. And that got reported everywhere. As size actually matters to women, and women like big dicks. But that's not, you know, a, an actual guy who's in your bed. Yeah, a big dick aesthetically is nice, and people tend to default to assuming they might like a big dick. But dicks are attached to dudes, and if a dick is attached to an inept, incompetent asshole, you're going to get inept incompetent asshole sex and so it doesn't matter how big the dick is and the dick in that estimation is not going to be enough to make that guy relationship material. So so you, what do you do with your underdeveloped body and your small penis? Well, you develop all the other skills. You realize that for some women, the size of your dick is going to be a deal breaker. Some women are size queens just like some gay men are size queens. But there are women out there who are not going to care. There are women out there who – Your dick will not be irrelevant but the size won't be the hang-up for her that it is for other women and you have to find those women and you find those women by fucking women until you find one of those women. And then you just admit and accept and embrace your dick being the size that it is and if you're with somebody who sometimes wants that filled up feeling, you just have to be secure enough as a guy with that dick – That you can give her that filled-up feeling at other times with your face, with your tongue, with toys. Go to Oxballs.com and look at dick extenders. They're actually cock sheaths and dick extenders. They're actually really pretty cool. And there's a lot of guys out there with average endowments who want to like be the big dick stud once in a while. And these cock sheaths and cock extenders are the way to do it. It's not a strap-on. It's something that you actually put your dick in and wear. It's a dick you wear on your dick. And then you can be as big as you want to be that night or in that moment. But you've got to be secure enough in your body, in your dick size, in your, your ability to please somebody that you can actually pull one of those things on without dissolving into a puddle of tears.
3: Hi, Dan. and tech savvy at Risk Youth. I'm a 24-year-old hetero female. I'm in a long-term relationship with my fiancé. We've been together for five years. I love him quite a bit. Um, my question is to do with my fetish. It's a sneeze fetish. I've had it for as long as I can remember. Um, I actually was masturbating before I realized what masturbating was. Um, so I've, I've been getting off to the sound of people sneezing for my entire life. I love having sex with my fiance. I love getting him off. I love being able to get him hot. Um, but I've never been able to have an orgasm with a dick inside me. He has never been able to make me cum. Um he, he also does go down on me quite a bit. I, I don't particularly enjoy cringus. It just kind of makes me, my skin crawl a little bit, but we do use it sometimes, especially because it's hard for me to become aroused when we have sex together. My question is, Number one, I suppose, is there a way that I can involve my fiancé in these fantasies which are, up to this point, have been completely between my ears, as you like to say? Um, My my fiancé is aware of my my fetish, but I haven't been able to come up with a way to really externalize it and involve him. We haven't gone so far as to discover whether this would be a libido killer for him. It very well could be. I, I know it would be a libido killer for most people. Number 2, if that's not possible, if it is a libido killer for him or if, you know, my my fantasies which are really just me imagining people sneezing, that's that's it, it's that simple. If there's no way to involve him in those, is there another way for me to come? Should I stop or should I stop masturbating and stop fantasizing about sneezing? Is that going to help me be able to have an orgasm with his dick inside me? Because I really, I really want that to happen. He really wants it to happen, and I feel sort of trapped in this fetish. And I, am wondering if I can break free of it and find other things that turn me on.
0: You say you've never had an orgasm with his dick inside you, and that that troubles you.
3: Quite yes.
0: Do, are you? You're able to have an orgasm when you masturbate, though.
3: Yes. Yes, I've I've actually – and I've been masturbating for as long as I can remember.
0: But you've always been masturbating to sneezing or the thought of sneezing. Or now YouTube has gazillions of sneeze fetish videos of fully clothed people sneezing. Yes. That's your porn,
3: right? Exactly. Yep.
0: Okay. So let's take these like – let's compartmentalize this very quickly. Um, you do know – we talk about this on the podcast all the time. I think I just told the previous caller. 75% of women can't come from penis and vagina intercourse alone. That there's got to be something – yes more before or immediately after or during to get her off so that you're not coming just because his magic dick is inside you isn't necessarily a problem. That's very common.
3: Okay. That's, that's true. I do. I did know that. I I guess i mostly, mostly I just want him to feel like he's able, not even if he, even if he can't get me off to, to arouse me.
0: Have you asked um, him to sneeze while he's fucking you?
3: I have. We, we went down that road a couple of times. It's, I don't know. It, it doesn't It doesn't do anything for me. Um, it, it takes me out of the moment a little bit, and it definitely takes him out of it.
0: And it, does it take um, you out of the moment because you feel sort of implicated or uh, ashamed or sort of exposed when you try to incorporate your that, kind of peculiar fetish into your sex?
3: Yeah, no, that could definitely be it. It could definitely be that I'm still harboring, yeah, shame. And, and yeah, just a certain amount of discomfort that uh, all the focus is on me.
0: Does he have sort of uh, kind of an upbeat... Up with people, up with my girlfriend's sense of humor about you having this very unique and interesting and not uncommon. Like there's a million sneeze fetish videos on YouTube because you're not the only one. Does he have a, yes. a positive attitude about it or is he always looking askance at you? No, he definitely
3: um – I'm. So lucky he has a great attitude. I, I was really afraid. I'd never told anyone about it before. He was the first person I told. I was really ashamed to tell him, and he was totally cool about it. he Researched it, and he's
0: wonderful. Good. I'm glad. Okay, so now for other people listening out there, physiologically, what happens to you when you have when, when you sneeze is similar to what happens to you when you have an orgasm. If you think about it for a second, like when you're having an orgasm, you feel that the approach of that orgasm, you feel the, the you know the coming of they call it orgasmic inevitability. When you're going over the falls and nothing could – you know, your mother could walk in or a meteor could hit your apartment and you're still going to come because you've tipped past that point of inevitability. And it's the same thing with a sneeze that you can feel it like sort of building and brewing in you. You can feel yourself tip past that point of inevitability where you know, your mother walking in or a meteor hitting isn't going to stop you from sneezing and you lose control. In both instances, it's kind of this loss of control. It also kicks into gear a lot of mucus membranes you know, the same a lot of people when they become aroused, their noses will run. They'll produce more saliva. It's because the same tissues in the body that are filling with blood down in your crotch are also filling with blood in your face. That's why people's faces get flushed when they're aroused. So these these are kind of linked. And, and they can, for some people, be, you know, kind of hardwired linked. They can make this really strong association physically between, you know, what a sneeze feels like and what an orgasm feels like. And you've done that. And there are cases where though you know, I, I've talked to people about this. If you try to get to the bottom of what your fetish is, try to get to the bottom. Try to peel back the layers because mm-hmm. your, your kink ultimately isn't necessarily sneezing. Sneezing is this thing that you associate with a certain kind of feeling that you find arousing or a certain you know, physical sense or circumstance and what that circumstance and sense it is is that loss of control, is that being physically out of control, of going mm-hmm. over the falls right? Right. When you, can you speak to that for a second? Like what, when you fantasize about it, what is it in the moment that is sort of when you, when you look at those videos, what is it that you're seeing on people's faces that arouses you?
3: It's honestly, it, it has mostly it's, it's the sound of, of the sneeze. Um, and I, I guess my, my fantasies are really, they're pretty straightforward. I, I think about the like progression of, I don't know, either someone, what, what would lead someone to have a series of sneezes, whether they are catching a cold or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the moment of orgasm, I'm usually hearing the sound of that really satisfying sneeze. Yeah. Which is why I've had a hard time sort of in a practical sense, being able to involve him in that. Because I, for me, it's just listening to the sound of it and it, that has nothing to do with him.
0: <laughs> wow. This sounds like, you know, if there's not a way to peel back the onion, if there's not a way to find some new set of sort of fetish focal objects or fetish experience, something else you could cling to. Because, it may, you know, you've been masturbating about this for a long time. So it sounds like since you were prepubescent. And so, mm-hmm. you know, recalibrating that can be a fool's errand and, and, and tremendously frustrating Right? Yeah. So you, I yeah. don't even think you should necessarily try. But it seems to me that there would be a way to incorporate the sounds of sneezes into sex with your boyfriend that isn't necessarily going to throw him out of it. And I'm I'm actually wearing your ultimate sex toy on my head right now, which is a pair of headphones.
3: Yeah. OK.
0: And just – to yeah. there will be times when you feel this sense of connection with your boyfriend. You're not going to want to like slap on headphones and have one audio track playing for you and another for him. Right. Right,, yes. and so I'm not saying you have to do this every time, but mm-hmm. maybe if there were certain times when you could take the soundtrack of the sneezes that set you off and put mm-hmm. headphones on and you guys mess mm-hmm. around and try to connect to him with the like your gratitude that you're with somebody who can do this with you and for you and still love you and yes. be into you and excited for you and see if you can make an association then between partnered sex sex with somebody else these sounds playing mm-hmm. in your head and getting off cuz mm-hmm. that's what you need to marry right? right you need to take these sounds that have always pulled you inside yourself cuz you've always been mm-hmm. alone and alone with your thoughts and right. learn to attach them that those feelings and experiences and that, that climax to there being another person with you on you in you while this shit is playing in your head
3: yeah that's a great idea. There's a
0: lot of people who do that. A lot of people with crazy, even unrealizable kinks, will think real hard about them while they're having sex with somebody else, and the person they're having sex with doesn't know that that's what they're doing, right? And for a lot of people with like crazy kinks, they just they don't want to tell anybody. They just want it to be in their heads forever. But they need that little leap. They need that. The, they need that. You know, the biggest sex organ in your body, your brain. They need their brain working. Right. And so, why not? Have your brain be that bridge that helps you get to climaxing with the boyfriend near you, on you, in you with the crutch of headphones and these these soundtracks that you listen to that work for you and then Mm -hmm. maybe you could wean yourself from the headphones. Maybe then in a while you'll begin to associate sex with – partnered sex and him with orgasms and you can listen less or take the headphones off or play the soundtrack in your head without the headphones but right. we know what works for you right now.
4: That's true. And you yeah. know
0: you know you're orgasmic, and you know you enjoy sex with him. Yes. But there's this element that you could add, which is basically your porn, which is Arl, Mm-hmm. and you could add it to sex with him and see what happens.
3: No, it's a great idea.
0: There are people out there who do sensory depth sex, which often involves a lot of bondage, but then headphones, where the person is sort of cut off. Um, they can't hear what's going on in the room. They can only hear what's going on in in the soundtrack that's being played just for them. Right. Yeah. And I don't see why you couldn't take that page from the super kingsters and just fold it into this tender partnered, loving sex with your boyfriend who's so considerate and indulgent in GGG.
3: Yes, he is. Um, no, that's a great, it's a great idea. Um, is there anything I, I can do or should be doing, um, to, because I just I it, it hurts me a lot that I I know that I can get naked and he's gonna have a hard dick, um, but for him I mean as much as I know he has a wonderful body and I'm I'm certainly as, as physically attracted to him as I am to anyone else. Is there anything I can do to be able to build my arousal around? around him? Is there, because he, it's so hard for him.
0: Do you not get aroused? Do you not get wet?
3: I I don't. It it takes me a really long time, uh, into sex with him to, yeah, to become aroused. We, and a lot of times we, yeah, we if we don't have lube, we can't really, Mm. penetration can be really difficult. (laughs) Um, and so I, like you said, I can't reprogram myself, but
0: do you have that same problem when you hear your porn?
3: I don't know. When I'm when I'm listening to yeah, when I'm listening to my porn or I'm masturbating, I have no problem getting wet. And once his dick's been in there for a while, I <laughs> have no problem getting wet. But like that initial penetration can be really okay, rough. Well,
0: here, here's what you're doing. You're you're so in flight from what you know works, from what you know turns you on. You're so terrified mm-hmm. of marrying those things. He turns you on um, and you're attracted to him and you're into him. But the, the you know, this kink, this fetish, this sneeze thing, that's what triggers you and sets you off and gets you rolling, right?
3: Yeah. And because exactly. you
0: want because you're working so hard to keep these things separate, your boyfriend doesn't get to enjoy the benefit of you rolling and you turn the uh-huh. fuck on. And you guys need mm-hmm. to you need to put that tool in his hands. Okay. You know, if somebody who is, you know, into spanking and they can only get really going if they've had their butt paddled a little bit, mm-hmm. who will not let their partner spank them and then they're not turned on when right. the sex starts because they haven't had their little spanking but they won't let their partner spank them which is what we know works and yeah. you know, and if your partner is the one spanking you, they're the one doing this thing that turns you on. I, you know what I would do if I were you guys? <laughs> uh, you know what I would advise you to do? Here's, here's my prescription. You get a set of really good Bose headphones and he gets a set of really good Bose headphones. But he's got he's got the controls in his hand. He can turn the sound on and off and up and down, which okay. means he's putting in your head. He's in charge of cranking that soundtrack up that turns you on, right? right. And so he's doing it to you. He's using what works, yeah. which is the sneezing and those sounds. But he's the one who's making it happen. He's the one who's pushing Mm -hmm. play. He's the one who's controlling the volume and the pace. And you can look in his eyes and he can look in yours and you can look – he can look naughty about it while you're looking naughty (laughs) about it. And he can be listening to whatever it is that turns him on in his own set of headphones. Yeah. Like just music or sex fuck music, whatever it is he likes to hear. And you guys could just like get off on the groovy perversity of this all. And you can, you know, it's kind of a little power exchange thing. You like, one of the things you like about the sneeze thing is the out of controlness of it. And you will be out of control of when you're going to hear these things, how much you're going to hear at any one time, what sort of bursts of it he's going to give you. And just let him parcel it out. And Mm -hmm. then see if you're not then getting wet when you're with him right away. I bet you will be yeah. because you will have married the boyfriend with the hot body who turns you on with your kink instead of working so hard to keep them apart.
3: No, Yeah, this is great. Thank you, Dan. That's Yeah, that's a one. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting turned on right now. Just <laughs> <thinking
0: about it. laughs> oh, my God. You're getting turned on right now and you're talking to some old fag about it. Imagine how turned on you'll be <laughs> when your boyfriend is on top of you doing this. <laughs> I'm going to resist the urge to start pressing play on these sneeze fetish videos I looked at. So as not to send you over the falls, go get your boyfriend and go to the Bose store and buy some fucking kick-ass quality headphones and crank <laughs> up.
3: I'm on my way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but put, put, that, put that tool, put that power in his hands. We know what – you know what works for you. He knows what works for you. Hand it to him. Let him do it to you. Let him use it on you. Let him be the sneeze master.
3: <laughs> Thanks you, Sure thing. Goodbye. Hi, Dan. I am a 22-year-old, straight, polyamorous young woman living in Northeast City. I have a question for you. I've been seeing this guy who's polyamorous for a couple months now, um, and he's really fucking great. Like, we have so much fun together, and he's goofy, and we giggle, and we can talk easily. We just have a lot of things in common and lighthearted ways, and he's nerdy. It's great. But he's, like, got a couple girlfriends, and he's really, like, got a great body. He's a bike courier. And, like, basically, he's sexually selfish. Every time that he's gone down on me or pleased me, other than having sex with me, it's been me having to ask him. And I brought this up to him a couple of days ago. And we had a really open, like, easy, honest conversation. I told him about GGG. He told me he just wants to please me, that he's sorry he's been sexually selfish. And I told him very clearly what I wanted, which was just some mutual pleasure giving. And then last night we're hooking up and I was blowing him for so long. And he was straining to come and wanted to come, but was just like trying so hard. And I was like, listen, my neck hurts. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to come. You know, we can just kind of move into the next thing. And he lays down, and we go to sleep. And, like, he brushed his hand with, like, he brushed my vagina with his hand once. And was, like, squeezing my ass and kissing me. But, like, (laughs) I feel, I don't know, my body feels neglected. And I'm starting to feel less sexy. And I just got out of this relationship that was, you know, we weren't that emotionally compatible. But sexually, like, he treated me so well. I felt so sexy. And... I'm just finding myself feeling like, like it's hard for me to come when I masturbate because it's just like I don't feel hot. <laughs> I really like this guy like so much like in a really awesome new way, but this is really starting to be frustrating. And I don't know how long I should be patient and like communicative and work on it because like we've got all these other women that obviously aren't saying anything and are okay with just being fucked and I. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Quick question: How hot is this guy?
3: <sighs> he's a—he's really—he's pretty damn hot.
0: Okay, he must be hot because of what he gives you, which is not much, and how he makes you feel, which is like shit. I'm surprised you're putting up with him.
3: Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm really wary at this point. Um, I talked to him again, and I was a lot more blunt this time, and really forward about the fact that like. I can't climb in bed with him again if he's ever going to be selfish like that. Um,
0: and what did Mr. Polyamorous Bike Messenger with other girlfriends have to say when you stood up to him like that?
3: Well, the thing is, he dated somebody for like nine years, um, and I think that the most of the women, you no, know, I think all of the people he's ever been with have been complacent in
0: okay his, you like, you. You have got to stop making excuses for this guy.
3: No. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's like he's making excuses and it's not okay. Oh,
0: okay. Well, then um, you have to stop regurgitating his rationalizations for being a lousy, selfish yeah. sack of shit in bed, which is yeah. what he is. And you're letting him get away with it. Yeah, I
3: think he's unaware of it. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, he's aware um, of it now because you put him on notice. And you need to advocate for yourself in the fucking moment. You know what you needed to do when you gave him that blowjob that went on and on and on? And then you came up for air and he fell a fucking sleep. You need to say, oh, no, no, we're not going to sleep. You are eating my pussy now. Right. You're going to go down on me like I just went down on you. Get to work, messenger boy. You needed to advocate for yourself in that moment in sort of an upbeat, fun, sexy way. Right. Right. But clearly drawing a line, clearly being your own advocate and being kind of smiley and fun about it. But also don't fuck with me about it. You know, you know. That this is a two way street. This eating crotch shit. Eat crotch. That's that's what I've told him in the conversation I recently had with him. And but it sounds like when the sex is happening, you're inhibited in some way. When the, is is it when the sex is happening? He's so hot and he's so naked. You can't make a demand.
3: It's that I'm kind of still like learning and growing in myself, and it's I I'm still trying to find confidence in my own sexuality.
0: So I feel shy sometimes. Okay. And you've been socialized because you are a woman and this culture tells women that they're not allowed to make demands on men. And you're probably saying, oh, I told him a week ago that I wanted this and I had these expectations and it would be nice if this happened and this happened. So I'm just going to lay here and hope that he does all that. Because if he's a nice guy, he will. And he's a nice guy. Oh, he didn't. Right. Yeah. The thing is,
3: I'm not going to I'm not going to date him anymore if it's like things don't drastically
0: turn around. Okay. Well, um, here's how you turn them around. You say to him, why don't you come over tonight and I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do any work.
4: Yeah.
0: You owe me. So come on over and you get me off a couple of times and then we'll see about your dick.
5: Yeah.
0: And then see what he says. And he may respond very positively to that kind of direction and that kind of assertiveness. He may find that kind of a, a new thing that kind of flips his brain, flips a switch in his brain and helps him realize that being with somebody means doing for them too. And, and I'm, I'm right. all about – like last week in the column or recently in the column, I pointed out that selfish lovers are often better lovers, that you want to be with somebody who wants to take from you. You want to be with somebody who wants to take their pleasure from you, on you, in you, around you, near you, right? But you want that – you want to be able to do that same thing back to them. You want to be able to take Back and there's a big right. yin and yang pull there, and right now he's all yeah. taken, no taken. So take him. Does he have dreads? Is he one of those bike messengers with dreads?
3: No, no, he does not have dreads.
0: Okay, I was just going to say, <laughs> don't date anybody with dreads. Don't date any white bike messengers with dreads. But dreads are great, great fucking handles. And you can steer. Yeah, dude yeah. I mean,
3: he's got some curly hair. I can, I can drive on too.
0: Grab just, it. Yeah, I'm, If you're afraid of advocating I'm, I'm gonna for yourself,
3: be more s- assertive. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't interrupt me while I'm telling you to be more assertive. Yeah. <laughs> Young lady, you sit there very quietly while I tell you to be assertive. <laughs> no, I think I really do think that you should tell him so you don't have to worry about being assertive in the moment. That there's going to be no give and take tonight. I've given and given and given tonight. You're gonna give tonight. You're gonna come right. over and you're going to get me off. You're going to eat me out. Right. You're going to give me orgasms. Maybe at the end of the night, if you're good and you got me off, maybe I'll fuck you.
3: The thing that's really frustrating, too, is the fact that he hasn't been, like, initiating sex either. Like, we'll be making it all hot and sexy, and I'll be the first one that has to become physical. And
0: Right. But he has two, he has two or three other girlfriends. He's maybe exhausted when he gets to your place. Right. Do you have other boyfriends?
3: Not at the moment. I'm, like- Starting to make dates with other people.
0: Give this guy one more chance because he's hot. Because he there's something about him that you want to fuck him. Give him one more chance. But the ground rules for that next encounter are we're going to fuck. You're going to get me off. You're going to give. Right. And if he can't do that, the damage he's doing to your self-esteem and your and your sense of sexual power is too great. doesn't matter how, how, how fucking firm his ass is or how – Wonderful his six-pack is. He's not worth it. Go get another guy.
3: Right. Exactly. And I definitely feel that way, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you so much for calling me in.
0: You're welcome. Hello, Mr.
5: Savage and the Texas of the app, excuse. I'm a 23-year-old heterosexual male, and I would greatly appreciate your advice. This last November, my girlfriend of nearly three years broke up with me. The reasons she gave made sense and were kind of hard to argue with. Things ended with little to no mess. Following advice from friends and advice I believe you've given in the past, I stopped contacting her. The last time we interacted was on Christmas when I hope I made it clear that my motivations for not communicating with her were not malicious. It's been five months since the breakup and three months since we last interacted. I'm really conflicted. I miss her, but I'm also terrified of seeing her. I want to talk to her, but I don't really know what to say. I want her in my life, but I'm not sure how that works. This is my first major relationship and I have little perspective. I'm friends with some of my exes but those relationships weren't nearly as serious. I don't know. In three months I could email her and ask her if she wants to catch up and what follows could play out in so many different ways. I'm afraid that sending that email could be much worse than not sending it at all.
0: You were thinking about this too much and you were thinking about this too hard. Uh, stop plotting how you're going to get back into your girlfriend's life. Stop anticipating reconnecting with your girlfriend. She dumped you. Have the sense and sense of self to be dumped already, to go the fuck away. She sent you the fuck away. If she wants you back in her life as friends, let her initiate that contact. Stop gaming it out. You're just torturing yourself. She let you go, but you haven't, let her go. You haven't let yourself go. You're not going to be able to move on to dating other people or recovering from this relationship if you're spending all your time in your apartment wringing your hands, wondering how it's going to play out when you guys reestablish a friendship down the line. You should for now, for the foreseeable future, pretend that she got – hit by a meteor and she is dead and you will never see her again and then in six months or a year or two years maybe you'll run into each other at a party maybe you'll bump into each other on the street and you can have a convo and reconnect for old time's sake but for right now dude you got dumped you just got dumped stop sitting around thinking about her all the time i know it's part of the dumping process as you like wallow and lacerate yourself she dumped me for very good reasons Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so she dumped you. Jerk off about other things. Go fuck some other people. Get out of the house. Hang out with other people. Stop thinking about your ex-girlfriend. Stop writing the rom-com script about how you guys are going to reconnect as friends down the road. Just let her go the way she let you go. Dump her back.
3: Hi, Dan. I am a 23-year-old girl calling from Colorado. Um, I am having an issue. I'm in a serious relationship with my boyfriend. Um we've been dating for about three years. We've lived together for a year and a half. Our relationship is wonderful in most aspects. Uh he supports me emotionally. We're both serious musicians and um we perform music together and it's wonderful. Um our conversations are great but our sex life sucks. <laughs> um I am very sexual. I would love to have sex every day if possible, but um, He he is not the same. We probably have sex probably uh, once a month, I'd say. Uh, Again, I'm 23. He's 26. I feel like that's not normal for our age and our kind of relationship. Um, I'm an attractive girl. I don't, as far as I know, um, I've got a good body and everything, and so does he. We're young and in good shape and all that. But um, every time I try to initiate something, I just get denied. And after so many times of getting denied, I'm just kind of tired of trying. And uh, he is physical. We cuddle and we kiss and all that, but it just doesn't go much farther. So I'm not really sure what to do. I don't want to leave him. I don't want to be with anyone else, but I just want to make our sex life better. And I'm not really sure what the issue is. I've talked to him about it and he says, it's not me, that he's attracted to me, um, that it's him and he needs to, uh, I don't know, it's his body or something, but, um, Anyway,
1: just looking for some
0: advice. Thanks, Dan. The one thing I'm going to tell you to do, you told me I'm not allowed to tell you to do. So I'll tell you this. If you could spend five minutes dinking around my email inbox at Savage Love, you would read in those five minutes dozens, if you spend an hour, hundreds of emails from people who are married to partners, with very low libidos, mixed-matched libidos, people who've lived with the kind of rejection that you're experiencing right now for years, for decades and are now angry, crazy, resentful psychos as a result. What now just seems a little sad and maybe a problem that can be fixed if you guys work on it, if you can just understand, da, 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 da. unless your boyfriend is depressed and – goes to a doctor and they figure out that depression is the reason for his low libido or he has hormone problems and goes to the doctor and they figure out he has low testosterone and start giving him testosterone, goo to smear all over his body unless it's some physiological thing that can be fixed mentally or physically. This isn't a problem that's going to get solved with the passage of time. This is only going to get worse and it's going to drive you fucking insane. And then you're going to send me letters that drive me fucking insane because there's no fix. Sexual compatibility in a long-term relationship is important. Sounds like you guys are emotionally compatible, but sexual incompatibility over the long run destroys emotional compatibility. However emotionally compatible you are now, however much you like him now, however much you love him now, you will like him less and love him not at all after 20 years of this kind of scalding sexual rejection. My advice to you is to get the fuck out now, is to shake hands and say, Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Coulda been awesome but clearly, sexually, we are not a match and I'm not going to stick around until I hate you and then cheat or leave so you can hate me. I'm going to get out now and we're going to find partners who are better suited. Maybe we won't find partners who are emotionally better suited than we were for each other but sexually, we will find partners who are better suited. It's worth doing and it's worth doing when you're 23. Don't wait till you're 40 fucking three years old and you have a handful of kids to make the decision. To end this sexually incompatible relationship that you found yourself in. Someone at my house last week was the subject of kind of an internet kerfuffle, a little internet media storm. Usually when someone at my house is the subject of an internet kerfuffle, a media storm, a lot of blog posts, uh, a lot of arguing and praising and whatever, uh, or condemning, it's me. Usually I've said something really stupid or really inflammatory and the world blows up online. But last week, it wasn't me at my house, at our house, who made the world blow up online. It was... uh, Little Terry Miller, my husband, who's actually not so little. Uh, I got a tweet in the middle of Terry's big uh, media explosion last week from someone saying, Oh my god, Dan, you talk about Terry on the podcast all the time and how much you lerve him, L-U-R-V, which is my preferred spelling. Um, But you never mentioned how hot your husband is. And I haven't because you you don't – You know, it's like talking about money. You don't talk about how hot your husband is. My husband is – Really hot in his underpants, which is what his big media hit was about last week. Terry likes fashion. Terry is fashion. He's an early adopter too. He, um, he had a faux hawk years before anybody else did and people looked at him like he was crazy. And then by the time everybody else had faux hawks, he, had, he didn't, hadn't had a faux hawk for a year. No one remembered that he had it first. They just thought he was crazy when he had a faux hawk, but he got there first. Um, and one of the things Terry has adopted is the swimwear of the Mr. Turk Swimwear line and he loves it and he took a picture of himself wearing a Mr. Turk swimsuit when we were on vacation and he put it up on Instagram and Mr. Turk of Mr. Turk saw the picture and invited Terry to come down to Palm Springs and model for Mr. Turk uh, and have a photo shoot, which Terry did. Terry went to Palm Springs and I got to tag along and Mr. Turk, who was very generous and very kind, uh, took 800,000 pictures of Terry in his swimsuit. And this has gone everywhere. It was on Perez Hilton. It was on Out.com. It was on The Village Voice. Michael Musto wrote about it. And everybody suddenly got to see my husband in his underpants, which is something to see. If you didn't see Terry Miller in his underpants last week online, you might want to go see it. He is a man of many hidden talents and most of them – are on display last week in these pictures that he took for Mr. Turk. Terry also recorded that little snippet of music there that you heard uh, during my bathroom break on the long Magnum podcast. But for those of you who've wondered what my husband, my husband, looks like and perhaps why I am so devoted to him, you just might want to Google Terry Miller, Mr. Turk, swimwear, underpants and see what pops up, first on your computer, then in your trousers. Let's get back to your calls.
3: Hi Dan, so I was watching some anal porn yesterday and they like reached in this girl's asshole and like pulled her insides out and it freaks me out. Is... <laughs> now I'm like worried about this porn star. Does she have a prolapse anus or will it go back in? I don't know. It freaked me out and then I couldn't get off and I couldn't sleep and I would think about it all day. <laughs>
0: Here's what Wiki has to say. Rectal prolapse refers to a medical condition where a section of the wall of the rectum prolapses, falls down, from the normal anatomical position with associated pelvic floor dysfunction. This may occur while straining to defecate or during rest. I'll never nap again. Not with a clear and peaceful mind. Um, Sometimes people hold up rectal prolapse. as this horrible, horrible thing that can happen to you if you have a lot of butt sex Um, And that's why you shouldn't have anal sex because eventually your rectum will fall out of your asshole. This doesn't happen. I know bazillions of gay men and I've been a gay man forever and no one I know has ever had a rectal prolapse. Um, Little ladies have rectal prolapses. People have rectal prolapses during childbirth. So clearly maybe you shouldn't give birth or take naps. Um, But you can induce it and there are people who do as a form of sex play – Induce a rectal prolapse. They basically pull their rectum out through their sphincters and it hangs outside their body. The sphincter closes around it and it's red and gooey and freaky looking and they call it a rosebud because it kind of looks like a satin rosebud. It's fucking awful, right? I think it's disgusting. But it's not going to kill you and it's not going to kill the person that you saw do it in that video. I don't think it's particularly good for you, uh, but you know. People do with their bodies what they want to do with their bodies. It is possible to hurt yourself having anal sex. It's possible to hurt yourself having vaginal intercourse. It is possible to choke to death giving a blowjob. Everyone should be very careful. And I wouldn't recommend rectal prolapse as a recreational activity. But you shouldn't worry over much about the person you saw in porn inducing a rectal prolapse. People can make that happen, do it on purpose, pop it back inside and be none the worse for wear.
2: Hey,
5: Dan. Um I am 22 years old, gay, and a senior in college at the in the Bay Area. I have a question that was sort of inspired by a call from last week about the girl who <laughs> threw up in someone's bed. Now, I have a guy. There's a guy in my life who he's kind of forced kisses upon me at random parties that we both happen to be at. He's a he's a straight guy who kind of really, I think. Just like loves the attention and the shock of doing that kind of like outrageous thing. So my question is sort of like, how do you deal with these people? I see them all the time. We're in the same department at school, and I think he definitely has a straight privilege problem. Um, yeah, so I don't know what I what I do about that. He showed up to my birthday party once, uninvited, and just random other parties that we both happen to be at. But I guess also. <laughs> the complicated part would be sometimes I don't really I don't really mind if the kissing happens. It's just pretty low-stakes stuff. So is that really a problem when you behave that way? Where do you draw those lines?
0: I was entirely with you. I was absolutely 100% on your side. So- I'm still on your side, but when you got to the end, you, when you got to the complicated part, I don't really mind the kissing. That sort of... Flipped me all the way back to the beginning of your call where you described these kisses as forced kisses. He's forcing kisses on me. He's the straight kissing bandit. You can't force kiss the willing. It sounds like you're a little squicked out by what the kisses might mean to him versus what they might mean to you. And there's a little power game that he's doing because he's exploiting your attraction to him that he assumes that you're attracted to him because you're gay. And maybe, you know, Yahtzee, he's actually right that you're attracted to him. Uh, Not because he's just any random dude but you're kind of attracted to that dude. So on some level, you're enjoying the kisses and that's a little bit of straight privilege on his part. But what do you do about it? If you want it to stop, you tell him to stop and if you want it to continue, you let it continue. You're not really entirely the victim here and I I wonder if the guy isn't gay. I remember being in college. I remember there were some people who were straight who proved that they were straight by demonstrating how comfortable they were with gay dudes. The argument then being that if I was gay, I would be out because look how comfortable I am with other dudes and gay dudes and joking about being gay myself. If I was you know, a timid, nervous, scared closet case, I wouldn't be so comfortable pretending to make out with a guy at a party as a joke. And it turned out after college that almost all of those guys who were doing that were actually gay. So he might be gay, in which case Yahtzee. But if you don't want him fucking kissing you, don't let him kiss you. Put a hand up over his face when he tries to kiss you. If you do enjoy the kisses, well, then enjoy the kisses. If you're a little annoyed by the privilege of it all that he can you know, go anywhere he wants and kiss anyone he wants, boy or girl, because he's straight and he's safe – And maybe he made an assumption about you being attracted to him the first time he forced kissed you. And coincidentally enough, that assumption was accurate. You welcomed it. You didn't mind it. You're kind of into him. But still, that assumption annoys you. You can unpack that with him with a forced kissing couples counselor at your school if you want. Or you can just have a beer and enjoy the tongue. Hi, Dan. So
3: I am a... 26 year old straight female and I am with a guy we've been together coming on two years and it's awesome I mean he's so good to me and um, we bring out the best in each other and our sex life is great Um, but I have a question because I kind of feel like a dick so my boyfriend is very very tall he's like 6'6 and he's, he's pretty thin he's not I wouldn't call him like skinny but he's pretty thin and I, on the other hand, I'm five, six, and I'm not skinny. I'm not at all, like, big, but, you know, I'm athletic. And I, I've caught myself really wishing that he were a little bit more, um, would do a little more to gain some muscle. And this totally flies against, I, I don't know, how, how I want to think of myself. I mean, I don't, like, I'm sexually attracted to him now, and when we have sex now, it's great. But it's just this little thought I have. I mean, I would love to feel that he is bigger than me, and that makes me feel lame, but it's true. And I I don't know how to go about it. I don't know if it's legit, if it's something that is even worth bringing up, because he's dealt with some weight fluctuations with me. Nothing huge, but um, when I've tried various birth controls, you know, i gained like five pounds here um, and there, and I've lost it. I'm in good shape, but... I know that if he approached me and was like, you know what would be great is if, I don't know, like you were a little more toned here, it would hurt my feelings and I don't want to do that to him, but it is something that I legitimately um, would like and he doesn't really work out. He runs with me sometimes and he bikes, so he's in good cardio shape, but being kind of naturally skinny that only (laughs) makes him skinnier. And, even as I'm calling you right now, I feel like such an asshole, so maybe I shouldn't have called at all. But I know you talk a lot about, you know, respecting your partner by staying in shape. And I'm wondering if maybe guys would be less sensitive if I was like, hey, you know, like I've been working on staying in shape and staying trim, and it would kind of be nice to see you, like, maybe doing some push-ups sometimes.
0: I have famously said that one of the ways you show respect for your partner is by staying in reasonable shape, doing reasonable maintenance. Time and gravity destroys us all and bodies change and people change and they age. But you know, one of the ways you can show your partner you're not taking them and their feelings and their physical attraction to you for granted is by doing reasonable maintenance. This isn't about everybody being a size zero or an Adonis. It's just about – Reasonable maintenance, but you're not asking him to stay in shape. you're asking him to change his shape and noticeably absent from your call was any indication or any mention of how he feels about his body, how he feels about being six six and a rail. You know there's a lot of guys out there who are tall and skinny and happy, and they like themselves just the way they are, and there's some guys who you know will offhandedly say. Ah uh, yeah, I can't keep weight on. I wish I could keep a little weight on. I wish I, you know, I've such a high metabolism. Has he ever said anything like that? Has he ever expressed an interest in doing a push-up and maybe having some tits of his own? If he hasn't, it would kind of be perhaps unfair. That said, it would perhaps be unfair for you to just throw that at him. You need to gain 20 pounds of tits because I wish you were Captain America. That might be unfair. That said, a guy is probably going to be less likely to have a freak out meltdown about it than a woman because women's bodies are much more scrutinized not just by men and the male gaze and culture but also by each other, by other women um, and are much more of a battleground and women can be much more sensitive than dudes. He may never have thought about going to a gym. So all that said, yeah, it would be unfair. You're not asking him to maintain. You're asking him to change. If you brought it up, I doubt that he would – shatter in the way that you say you might have if he said, you know, it would be great if you lost some weight here and there, right? That would have hurt your feelings. Unlikely to do the same damage to his feelings. Unlikely to tap into the same sensitivities because as a man, he's probably less susceptible to those kinds of body shaming, body scrutinizing, body, body, body crap that women are subjected to. So maybe you could throw that out there. But you're likely to hear from him, I don't want to go to the gym. (laughs) I don't want to drink protein shakes. I don't want to gain weight. And then you'll just have to live with the lovely, tall, skinny dude that you live with.
3: Hi, Dan. I'm calling, um, with a question about my boyfriend. We've been in a relationship for about a year and a half. And he's told me a couple of times once he mentioned that, um, he was really turned on by the idea of I think he actually even came once while he was peeing and he really enjoyed the sensation and I suggested maybe we
1: it's not a turn on for me but if it's a turn on for him I'd like to explore it and I suggested
3: to him that we maybe do that and he said that he has some shame tied up in that um not really comfortable and then the other night um You know, he said he had a little bit of a fantasy about me just peeing
1: a little bit, and it got him really turned on. Um, So, again, I want to help him explore this. I want to help him come out of his shell about it a little bit, but I'm not really sure how to go about that.
0: Okay, I have just one question for you. Uh Uh-huh? Why are you at the dog park on the phone with me and not back at your apartment peeing on your boyfriend already? (laughs) Oh my God. How hard is that? I just don't know how to broach it with him. <laughs> he broached it with you in this way where he's very tormented by it. You know, this, this, it's bullshit, first of all, that once he came while he was peeing, that's not a thing that happens. That's a really awkward way for somebody who has a kink to try to bring up the kink as if they got hit by lightning once and this thing kind of happened to them and now they're kind of intrigued by it. Now, he's into piss. And he invented this like baloney pony story to broach the subject by bringing up this thing that kind of happened to him once. Not this thing he wanted to do, but this thing that happened to him and now he's intrigued by it. And he hmm. wants you to pee on him. And he probably probably killed him to ask because he feels like such a pervert and he's struggling with so much shame. And he doesn't want to bring yeah. it up all the time because he doesn't want you to think that he can't be aroused by any other kind of sex or that he's a piss pervert, which he is. But he doesn't want you to think that he is because he worries that you <laughs> might dump him. If that—if you think that's all he's about or wants. But he's just kind of dying inside waiting for you to ask him to lie down in the tub so you can finally pee on the ice and break it.
3: <laughs> okay, I just need to take the lead.
0: You do need to take the lead. And it would be the loving sort of thing to do. And I don't think, you know, maybe it would scare him if you just say, all right, let's do this pee thing, get in the tub. That might be too much. But I think what you should say to him is, you know I've been thinking about when you brought up kind of being turned on by P or maybe us you know getting into a little bit of piss play but thinking about that and I think we should finally do it. What what form would you like that to take? Let's let's do this. I want to do this. I want you to turn to me to have your fantasies fulfilled and I will turn to you to have mine fulfilled. So I'm game and let's go. And he may be so relieved to hear you say that. <laughs> relieved ha in this context ha relieved. You'll be relieved on him.
3: And, oh, my God.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> and don't – it doesn't sound like you have a problem with this. Some people have a real hang-up. They say, oh, pee and poop. They always lump pee and poop together as if they're not the same. Urine is sterile. Right. If you've had a couple of beers, it's so much hot water. It's not like don't have asparagus. Don't do it first thing in the morning. <laughs> okay. And how fun would that? how fun would that make going out for a couple of pitchers of beer? Like say, you know what? We're going to do this tonight. You meet me at this tavern, and you, he walks in, and you've got a pitcher of beer on the table, and you wink at him. He'll, he'll come in his pants at that moment. <laughs> That's one of the great things about kinks and exploring them together. It can make just splitting a pitcher of beer down at the tavern a party, a purview party.
3: All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. I, I guess I just feel like I didn't want to, like, make him uncomfortable, but you're right. I mean, he brought it up, so...
0: And you know what? He's not Definitely. hes not bringing it up over and over again because he doesn't want to make you uncomfortable.
3: Okay.
1: And he doesn't want to make you sense.
0: think that he's unsatisfied with your relationship or that this has to happen or that this is all he thinks about or all he wants to do. And so he, he raised the subject and now because it sounds like he's struggling with shame about this, you're going to have to take him by the hand and lie him in the tub.
3: <laughs> all right, Dan. Thank you. Good luck. Hi, Dan, 23-year-old straight female here. Um, I'm calling because I've been overweight my entire life, and last August, I made the decision to um, change my life and have bariatric surgery. So far, I've lost about 60 pounds, and slowly but surely, I'm continuing to lose. But the problem I'm having is that even though I've lost all this weight and my confidence and self-esteem has improved dramatically, I find that I'm not becoming more attractive to men. I really want to get back into the dating scene or at least the fucking scene as it may be. And I try and put myself out there and flirt, but I'm still a plus-size girl even after losing all that weight. And I feel that I am constantly overlooked for girls that don't necessarily have a better personality and aren't necessarily prettier than me, but they always happen to be skinnier than me. People my entire life have told me there's someone out there for everyone and there's plenty of guys that like plus-size girls, but I don't want that. I don't want a man who's looking for a plus-size girl and finds me and thinks, oh, okay, she'll do. I want a man who finds me and says, wow, this girl is amazing. I am really attracted to her in spite of the fact that I'm a plus-size girl. So my question is, are these two things mutually exclusive? Is it going to be that every man that's going to be attracted to me is going to be looking for a plus size girl or are there men out there who will like me for me and not be interested in me just because I'm plus sized and if there are men who will be attracted to me in spite of my size and not because of it, where the hell do I find them? (laughs) This is obviously an issue I've dealt with my entire life and I could really use some advice.
0: What would you tell me if I said that I wanted to be with a man who could love me despite the fact that I'm a man? Basically, I wanted a straight guy to fall in love with me and despite the fact that I was a man too, he would love me because he loved me. I didn't want to be loved by a guy who was attracted to guys, to somebody who looked like me because that didn't, you know, made me feel weird and bad about being – gay guy. I wanted to be with a guy who wasn't gay. You would tell me I was crazy. There are gay guys out there like that. There are gay guys out there who are not attracted to any other gay guys. They want a straight guy and they sound like you a little bit when they talk about their predicament. They want love. They want affection. But they reject anyone who is actually attracted to them because they don't want love and affection from a gay guy. They want to be loved despite the fact that they're men and that they're gay. They want to be loved by a normal man, by a straight guy. You want to be loved, you say over and over again, by someone despite the fact that you are a plus-sized girl. You want someone to love you for who you are, not because you're a plus-sized girl. What about someone who loves you because you are a plus-sized girl and because of who you are? You seem to think those are mutually exclusive emotional impulses, that anybody who's attracted to you because you're a plus-sized girl can't love you for who you are and anybody who loves you for who you are is going to love you despite the fact that you're a plus size girl. That's really twisted. You have to work through this self-loathing. You have to let people who are legitimately attracted to you for the person that you are, for who you are physically because it's often a physical attraction that brings people together. A physical attraction isn't enough to spark or sustain or maintain a relationship a physical attraction brings two people together and then you know in the discovery process that is dating and living together and you know sussing each other out you discover if you are also emotionally compatible but that first spark brings you together of physical attraction and you are disqualifying out of the gate anybody who is physically attracted to you you are the girl that you are you are a plus size girl most people who get bariatric surgery you know, I had a friend years ago who got bariatric surgery who felt like she was betraying the fat acceptance movement and she said, I, I've always been a fat girl. I'm still going to be a fat girl. I'm going to be not as fat but I'm still going to be a fat girl. I'm still going to be a part of the fat community. I'm always going to be a big girl. You're probably always going to be a bigger girl. Someone out there is, can love you. You though have to be the first person to love you. You are not comfortable in your own skin. Anybody who approaches you, anybody who is attracted to you, you are going to view with suspicion unless you start dating blind guys with no hands, right? This comes up with other people. You know, it's not just you who has this, this problem, not comparing amputees to you know, people of size and people of size to amputees. But often you hear from people who have lost a limb that they will be, attra- they will be approached by people who are attracted to amputees, to devotees they call them the people who are attracted to people who are amputees and that totally squicks them out, right? But some amputees work past that and you know somebody can view you and be attracted to who you are on a very surface level as an object and still be able to appreciate you as the human being you are also. You are both. You are an object and you are a human being. What you want to find is somebody who's attracted to you for the object that you are but also attracted to you for the human being that you are and who can do both and they're out there. But you have to love yourself and accept yourself first before somebody else is going to be able to love and accept you because you're going to reject anybody who approaches you because there you are, you, right? The guys who are approaching the skinny bitches that you're hanging with, the guys who are approaching the women that you see and you're jealous that those guys are going after that girl and that girl and that girl, they're attracted to those girls. Not for who they are but for how they look. So you accepting the attentions and the affections of somebody who's attracted to you for who you are and how you look is no different than that skinny bitch over there getting with that guy who approached her based on nothing but her looks. The culture has programmed less shame into that other girl about the way she looks so she feels less conflicted about it. You obviously struggle with shame about how you look and you feel very conflicted when a guy is attracted to you because it brings up in your own mind how you look brings up your size and your own mind. You got to work past that. got to love and accept yourself. I had to learn to love and accept myself for being gay and let somebody who was gay like me in part because I was gay. Even though that like dude's affections kind of – when I was young and terrified and couldn't accept myself, a guy being attracted to me made me think, oh my god, I am a fag and it would freak me the fuck out. Right now a guy being attracted to you makes you think, oh my god, I'm fat and it freaks you out. I learned to accept the fact that I was gay and it stopped freaking me out when a guy was into me. You can learn to accept yourself for the size that you are, whatever that size ends up being in the end. And then when a guy is attracted to you, it will not freak you out. You got to get there.
3: Hi, Dan.
1: um, I'm a 27 year old straight female. Um, I'm in a relationship with my boyfriend. We've been together for probably around eight months and uh, we're really lucky to
3: have a really kinky relationship um but there's a kink that he's interested in that um I would love to help him out with but it's something I've never encountered before even though I have a lot of experience in the kink scene he's interested in um these videos where these women's their breasts get bigger like superhero humongous boobs and um
1: it's like a punishment Um, they don't want their boobs to get bigger, but they keep getting bigger and bigger and they can't
3: stop it. And that really turns him on. And, um, I have really big boobs. I have like 32 double D's, but I would love to find a way where I can, um, put this into a scene for him and, uh, really get him off. I think he'd really appreciate it. So any advice you have on how I can do a scene where my, Boobs get bigger and I'm upset about it and it's a punishment. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: This is something that you can achieve with latex. You can have prosthetics, boobs basically made that can inflate, that can be inflated. But this is ultimately one of the – I like to call them the unrealizables. You cannot realize this fetish in reality. You can't have boobs that grow giant like they do in breast expansion fetish porn. That's why most of it is animation. But if you really want to invest a large chunk of change, you can find somebody who works in latex or you can put a couple of basketballs in your bra and start swapping out (laughs) the balls for bigger and bigger balls until you get up to those exercise balls in the gym. But it's going to require an imaginative leap on the part of your boyfriend to pretend that those are your breasts because you can't have giant, ginormous breasts that expand at will, at his will as a punishment for you. But it's certainly something that you can explore through costumes, with props, through play, through fantasy. And if you want to spend a lot of money, a breast expansion fetish prosthetic created for you by a latex artist. Good luck.
2: Hey, Dan. I just listened to your opening rant on podcast 338, and I wanted to mention that there is a way that you can turn off your camera for your child. If you go into settings and then uh, restrictions, you can enable the restrictions and then disable the camera. It allows you to put in a passcode, And as long as your child doesn't know that passcode, it removes the camera options from everywhere on your iPhone.
3: Hi, this is in response to the discussion about teens using cell phones. I just wanted to point out the other side, which is that in many cases, including the Steubenville case, had someone not taken a picture and had the picture not gone out widely, then nothing would have happened at all. And no one would have known or followed up on instances happening. So they can be... These pictures can be evidence, and they can make people take these things seriously just as easily as they can be used as tools of harassment, and sometimes both. I don't think we should start banging the drum to get teens to stop having cell phone photos because they really need to use them sometimes um, for practical reasons and for reasons of justice and vigilance. Hi, uh, this is a call in response of a call from the woman who... Think she's bisexual and is staying in an open marriage but has a female lover of two years. Oh, babe, I'm one of those saying, hey, you're a lesbian because I'm part of a group called the Lake Bloomers and we are women that found our true orientation in midlife, often in the middle of a marriage, sometimes even with kids. There are, may have been other reasons for why you did not discover your sexuality in high school. But part of it might have been you were with the wrong gender. I'm just so happy that you did find someone to love you um, sexually. And uh, I know what it's like to love somebody. I know that you're going to break your heart. It was very difficult for me, and I thought it would be the end of the world. But I have a very great constructive friendship with my ex-husband, and I'm a happy-out lesbian, and you can be, too. Hi.
4: I'm I'm calling uh, in response to episode 338, the guy that knocked up his crazy ex. Having done that a year ago, I just wanted to mention that I know exactly what he's going through. What it comes down to is the baby. If you want to be involved with the baby, you have to realize a couple things. One being your crazy ex isn't going to get less crazy and you have to be able to deal with her crazy and hopefully be able to negotiate some sort of co-parenting thing. And there's a lot of mediation programs available. I took advantage of one. And secondly, it has to let go of any animosity, at least in front of the kid, because all that's going to matter is the baby. And when you hold your baby the first time, it might not seem real. You might have a lot of uh, weird, confusing feelings, but at the end of the day, if you're a good parent, you're just going to take it one step at a time and do what's right. In terms of getting full custody for the baby, it's not going to happen unless she has a heroin needle in her arm because you could be the craziest bitch in the world. And unless there's evidence of drug use or abuse for the kid, they're going to side with mom every time. For better or for worse, she's going to be a part of your existence for 18 to 21 years, depending on the state. But it's rewarding in its own right. And as long as you follow your gut instincts and be a good dad, then there's no, there's no losing. But get that animosity out of there and get your shit together as soon as you can.
0: And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at Savage Lovecast Magnum. We're just getting this new extended ad-free subscription model version of the show off the ground. If you have a question or comment about the new show or how it works, you can send those comments to support at savagelovecast.com. 206-201-2720. That's the number here. Give us a buzz with a question or comment. The Savage Love Cast, both of them, Micro and Magnum, produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Love Cast or casts. Thanks for downloading.